Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Lord, I pray for, pray for John. I pray that you would speak through him this morning by your Holy Spirit. Lord, open our ears to hear and our hearts to respond and receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Brian. So the, the, the story, the Bible in 30 minutes, I'm not doing that, okay? <laughs> That's not me. That's, there's a, a group, a drama group in uh, Crosspoint who will be going, they'll be serving us and bringing God's word to us that morning. So please come next week. It should be a great time of enjoying God's word together. Like, like Brian said, we did the story in 31 weeks, went through the whole Bible cover to cover, and now we're going to do the whole Bible in 30 minutes. So that should be really interesting to see how uh, that progresses. So next week, uh, we'll have that here Sunday morning. So um, if you want to turn with me over to Psalm 24 this morning, Psalm 24, we are, um, we are continuing on in our countercultural series. And so what we're going to do with this next kind of season at the church, is we're going to kind of wrap up, in, if you will, the countercultural series this morning. We'll have the whole, go through the whole Bible next week, so we'll cover everything, don't worry. And then the week after that, we'll begin in 1 Corinthians. And so, and as we go through 1 Corinthians, we will take time to stop and talk about some of the things that we wanted to cover in our countercultural series. But this morning... Um, we have the distinct privilege of talking about, in our countercultural series, time, money, and possessions. So if you're new here this morning, welcome. Um, we talk about money every single week, so I'm just kidding. It's, talking about money is, is kind of a, it's a bit of a challenge for me, because I understand that so much, not so much, but oftentimes what, what gets portrayed in regards to Christianity and the in the media, and the news, is about money. Seeing things on the news about a pastor who wants to buy a $3 million jet and trying to raise money from his, his congregations and just things like that um, make talking about money difficult because immediately in my own, this is just me thinking, in my own mind, as soon as the topic of money comes up, you know, walls go up and it's like, okay, What's he angling for? Does he need to raise? Does you know, he want a jet? Uh, you know, just all these other things begin to take place in my mind. And so at it, it, some level, it makes me hesitant to even want to talk about it because I don't want to be the kind of church where people leave, especially new people coming in thinking, oh, wow, here we go. Here's the money speech. We're going to talk about money. So hopefully this morning as we talk about money, uh, I'm encouraging you to just consider it with not just in mind of, okay, what is the church trying to get from me, but how is God's word coming to me, and how is God's word being declared to me this morning in a way that helps me to be transformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ? Because God isn't after our money. He's after our hearts that we would be transformed to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. And that's God's work through and through and through. And then throughout all of Scripture, God doesn't need our money. God's not after our money. He's after our hearts to transform a people to look more like his son, Jesus Christ, that we would declare his praises across the earth as his people. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's turn over to Psalm 24 and find comfort and direction in God's word. 
for us this morning. Psalm 24, and we're going to begin looking in verse 1, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Lord, as we approach your word this morning, God, we pray that you would continue to speak to us. God, I pray that your word would instruct us and direct us, that you would bring conviction and faith, God, that you would soften the the soil of our hearts to give us hearts that are eager to receive your word. God, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes upon the glory and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help me this morning. God, as you know, my, my mind is in a million places. Lord, help me to fix my eyes upon you and upon all that you'd have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we just read Psalm 24. The, the, the world and everything that is in the world belongs to Almighty God. God is the creator, the sustainer, the ruler of everything. And as we begin, as we unpack really what our culture has to say about the world and everything in it and, and all that we are, so oftentimes we find in our culture a need to clarify what does God have to say in regards about money and possessions and our time and everything in there. Because in our culture, we live in a culture, we live in a, we live in a place that says it, is, it belongs to me. And you need to do what's best for you. Right? You've probably heard that said a number of times. You need to do what's best for you. And by and large, in some, most times and places, it's probably there's some truth in that. But as we unpack God's word, that's not the whole truth. Because God's word expands that. In our culture, we also read about you need to make sure you save up for retirement, make sure you're thinking of... But in all these things, in all these things, it's not bad to save up for retirement. It's not bad to, to, to have money in a savings account. I'm not saying that. But what I am trying to get to is this understanding where it's all about me, about my needs, about my wants, about my goals, about my desires. And there's this... There's something in that that is not centered upon God. Because in our culture, we don't live in a culture that values and prioritizes the things of God. So as we, as we talk about who God is and what he's like, we live in a culture that doesn't, not only doesn't prioritize God's words, but really in a lot of ways dismisses God altogether. And so to live in a culture where God is easily dismissed and forgotten about, the priorities that God has placed before us in his word really run countercultural to all that, all that the people around us and the, the media and everything else around us is saying. See, the, the problem for us, though, is this, is that we are bombarded day in and day out with every advertisement, with every TV show, with every movie, with everything that we see, every billboard, everything is geared, and it's, it's being, is all about us. What's in it for you? How can you be better you? How can you experience more life? And it is, it is a bombardment. Every single day, we're confronted with this day in and day out. And it's easy to get sucked into this kind of mindset that really is about me, that it really is about my wants and desires. Just not very long ago, maybe a few weeks, a few months ago, went with Michelle and I and our kids, went over to some family's property they have in Crown Point, and they've got this like 50 acres in Crown Point, and they've got a barn, and they've got horses, and they've got four-wheelers, and they've got... They got tons of guns and stuff, and 
you know, and we're there for about, you know, five minutes, and already I'm rationalizing, okay, how can I, how can I get property, how can I get four-wheelers, how can I get maybe a gun, you know, just all these things that just keep playing through in your mind, just, okay, how do I, how can I get this, what do I need to do to, you know, get a second job, do I need to start donating plasma, do I, you know, what do I need to do to be able to afford things like this, right? Or even, I had a friend of mine from high school, right? A couple years younger than I, but he's still a good friend of mine. And he just graduated from, from med school. So he's a full-on doc, he's Dr. Greg now. And, you know, he pulls up and he's been a doctor for all of like 24 hours, right? I mean, he just, just and he pulls up in his brand new Suburban. I'm like, man, you've been, you've been a doctor for like a day, and you've got a brand new 2015 Suburban all decked out. And I was like, man, I'm looking over at my Durango. It's got 230,000 miles on it. And I've been working for, you know, I've been out of school for a long time. You know, just all thinking through all these things. And it's amazing how quickly, it's amazing how quickly we get sucked into that. And if you've ever taken a vacation somewhere and you see these beautiful homes and these boats and these, these you know, places on the ocean or something like that, it's so easy to get pulled into thinking, man, that really is where life is at. Man, if only I had a, a house on the lake, if only I had a place in Florida, if only I had that boat, if only I had that bigger car, then, then I would be happy. Then I would be complete. Then I would have everything I would need. I, have big, I mean, and it's for all the right reasons, right? Well, we can go there with the kids. We can do stuff with the family. We can invite people alongside. I mean, and we begin to rationalize and think, okay, this is where life is at. And if you've ever, if you've ever experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It only takes a few minutes for your mind to go there, begin to figure out how this can, can work. I want us to turn over to the book of Colossians. Now let's go over to the New Testament. The book of Colossians. And I want us to see how the Apostle Paul begins to talk about where our priorities lie. So we're going to Colossians chapter 3. And this is the place where Paul wants us to keep our focus. Where should our focus be? And this is what is so, runs so countercultural. Colossians chapter 3, we're reading in verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And why is that? He says, verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here it is. He begins to unpack the, the application of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is that somehow in the, in the mystery of God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live and to die on the cross in our place. Now, when we place our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ, he says something happens, something transforms, something takes place. And it's this, is that, our life is now hidden in Jesus Christ. It's like our life has been cloaked in Jesus Christ. And when God looks down upon 
our lives, he sees Jesus Christ and his covering over us. That is what the gospel has done for us. It has been a complete and total transformation of who we are. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He doesn't leave us where we are. He transforms us and changes us and makes us a new creation. And he says it's because of that, because of the gospel, because of this transformation that Jesus Christ has done, therefore, set your minds on things that are above, not on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is what Jesus Christ has done. And as he begins to talk about, okay, then where should our focus be? Where should we put our focus? If it's not to be on this earth, then what is it that you want us to focus on? Verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. How do we keep ourselves from being consumed with the empty promises of this, of this life? How do we keep ourselves from being consumed by the fact that, the, that more four-wheelers and more properties and more anything would somehow bring me happiness and joy and fulfillment? How do we keep ourselves from believing that? For the Apostle Paul, it was keeping our eyes focused on eternity. It's an eternal perspective. See, all those things are going to pass away. As fun and as enjoyable as they are, and I'm, I'm not trying to argue if, if you've got four-wheelers, if you've got property in Florida, I'd be happy to be invited to your place. I'm not trying to argue against having a house or having a four-wheeler or having a, a place in a lake. I'm not trying to argue against that. What I'm saying is if that's where our life is, if that's where our focus is, if that is where our thinking is, if that is where our heart is at, then God would say, look, we've got we've to make a redirection here. We've got to make a change because that is not where your life is found. It is found in Jesus Christ and following him and his purposes for us. So that is what he's getting at here. And he says, look, the, the antidote to our thinking of this earth and giving ourselves to the things, the antidote to that is understanding who we are in Jesus Christ and keeping an eternal focus in mind. It's eternity that he has us in mind. So oftentimes as I run through those scenarios, as we go on vacation or visit our family, as we go, you know, take a ride in a boat or something like that, I have to remind myself, Lord Jesus, this is great to be enjoyed. We can enjoy these things, but our life is not found in these things. It's found in you. This is who you've created us to be. This is who we are in you. And even my time, even my time belongs to you. It's not just my money, it's not just my possession, but even my time, it belongs to you. Because not only can we get sucked into believing that more possessions mean happiness and what's in it for me and how do I acquire these things, but also our time. Because our time is also something that, we, we, that God has entrusted us with. The way we spend our time, the way that we utilize the, the, the time that God has given us, is it about me and my preferences and what I want and my comfort and about what pleases me and what I can do to... to to make the most of what I want to do. And so, for me personally, as our, as a, as our family, 
Michelle and I and our kids. This is for our family. I'm not saying this has to be for your family, but for our family. This is what this has meant for us, okay? And this isn't the gospel truth. This is just what we feel God has called us to. He may be calling you to, it may look different for each one of you, but for us, what this means for us is that we are never going to own property in Florida, place on the lake, or boats, or those other things. We're just not going to. That's what he's called us to. So we've, God's called us, and it really brought conviction for us, is that our weekends and our time together as a family here at church on Sunday is a priority. That above everything else that we could be doing on Sunday morning, whether, and I'm not saying it has to be Sunday morning, or say, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to go there, but Sunday morning for us as a family is a priority. And therefore, owning all these other things which would pull us away from church on Sunday morning, and we know church is more than just a gathering on Sunday morning. Church is the gathering of believers. It's all God's people. It's, that is God's church. And church isn't just a meeting. But for us, Sunday mornings is a valuable time for us as a family to gather together around God's word. And so therefore, we're not going to do those other things because we feel that's what God's called us to do. That's how we have prioritized things. Now, it's not saying we can't ever take a vacation or those things, or Michelle's sick, she can't, you know, be at church. What we're saying is that's a priority for us. Now, I also want to just look at one more place, 1 Timothy. If you turn over with me to 1 Timothy, keep turning over to the right. 1 Timothy chapter 6. See, Jesus has not only changed who we are right now, but he's also changed us for eternity. So 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now we're going to get down to a bit of the money part. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. As for the rich in this present age. Now if we looked at how much as Americans we possess and how much money we have, it's funny, Michelle and I were having a conversation about India, okay? We've got a, a mission team going to India in a couple months, in November, um, and it's a great time, and we were having a discussion. Michelle said, you know, I think India's, you know, kind of similar in terms of how much, you know, per capita income, really, as Americans. I said, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure about that, so we looked it up. So India, the per capita income, I believe, is like $1,500 a year. That's what you'd make in a year, 1500 bucks. And it's, it's, it's staggering to think as Americans how much money that we actually have compared to everyone else in the world. And so this is what he says, the rich in his present age, this would be, I think this probably could be all of us. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Generous and ready to share. But I can, I can almost hear in my own, my own thinking, okay, but God, you've given me a job to do, and I've earned this money. I mean, this is kind of like my money. I've, I've got a job. I've worked this job. I've gotten paid from this job, whatever job that may be. And so therefore, God, I've, this is my money, right? I mean, this is what I've earned. This is the work I've put in. This is what I get back for the labor that I've done. Look what he says over in Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
Keep your fingers in 1 Timothy, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. It is He who gives you the power to get wealth. It is the Lord. Even what, even what money we think that we, we have, that we've earned, it is the Lord who gives us the strength and ability to even earn anything that we have. Now look what he says in going back to 1 Timothy. He says, after he gives all those charges to the rich to give and to be generous, he says this, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That which is truly life. There is, there is a view to eternity even in this passage. He's telling them, look, don't root your heart. Don't put your roots down here on this earth. Don't allow yourself to believe that life is found in the possessions and things that we can acquire and all these other things that the world says this is where life is at. He says, don't allow yourselves to go there. Let your minds be considerate and consider all that God has done in Jesus Christ. And because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, he allows us then to sink our eyes and put our hopes on into eternity. That is where our life is. That is where our home is. That is who God has created us to be. So what does that look like for our family? This is what this looks like for our family. I'm just trying to get as practical as I possibly can. For our family, this is what this means, that we give 10% of all that we, get, all that we earn to, to the church right off the bat. That's not the government taking its taxes first and paying NIPSCO and paying the mortgage and all this stuff, and then we give whatever 10% is left. It is giving that 10% right off the bat to the church before anyone else gets their fingers into it. We also, then on top of that, we also support missionaries, have a compassion child, and give to special offerings and things like that. That's what that means for our family. That's as practical as I can get. And we've tried to prioritize the things of the Lord in everything that we do. Because we don't want the deceit. It's so easy to, to convince ourselves, well, let's not give towards this because we really need this over here. It's so easy to begin making those kind of those swaps, right? We've all done it. And I feel like the Lord for us is calling us to prioritize Him first in being that we set our eyes on into eternity. And one of the ways that we do that is through our giving. Because in giving, we say, Lord, I release this to you. I trust you in the middle of all of this. As hard as this may be for me, I'm going to trust by faith. I'm going to walk out with my finances, with my time, and with my possessions. I'm going to entrust all of that to you, that the greater reward is waiting for me in eternity, not here on this earth. That is what God has given us to do.
And it's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done, that he has freed us to be able to live this way. This is not a way in which we say, okay, I'm going to get more favor from God. This is not a prosperity gospel message where you put $10 in, you hope to get $100 back. This is not a prosperity gospel message at all. I don't want you to hear that. This is not about you giving a little and you getting a whole bunch more back. This is about us trusting ourselves into eternity, fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ and his purposes, and not allowing this world to cloud and to, to deceive us into thinking that life is found in so many other things. And the antidote to that is allowing ourselves to give, to be people who are givers, just like Jesus Christ gave himself. But this takes faith. It's entrusting ourselves to the Lord. My challenge for us this morning, my challenge for us as the church this morning is this, that we would set our eyes upon Jesus Christ and not allow ourselves to grow in our love and affection for the things of this earth. And in so doing, we set our, we set our gaze on eternity, where our home is with Jesus Christ forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your gift of life and the freedom that you've given us to follow you. Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us. Lord, that you would help us, God, to not allow our affections to grow for things on this earth, but you would set our eyes upon you. Jesus, thank you for the gift of forgiveness, Lord, where we have fallen short, where we have set our affection on things in this earth. God, I pray that you would forgive us and that you would help us that by your grace we could walk in freedom and in love for you in all that we are, in our time, in our money, in our possessions. Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.